Let's uh, turn your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. If you turn to the middle of your Bible, you come to Psalms, and then it's after Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, you come to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. And, and as you turn there, let me just kind of repeat some things that Ben mentioned earlier. We'd love to invite you to come back tomorrow night for our Christmas Eve service, a great time of, of singing and just spending time together as, as a church family, one of my, my favorite nights of the year. And then also, uh, something else Ben said that I, I just want to highlight. Uh, I really encourage you to consider uh, next year making uh, Sunday school, adult and, and children's Sunday school, a part of your routine. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity I think we, ha- we have at our church to be involved in, in a Sunday school ministry. Uh, you know, Paul tells Timothy... Uh, to consider the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them. In other words, the, the Christian faith is, is founded on, on knowledge. There are some things about God we need to know, and as we know who God is, we grow in our ability to love Him, and as we grow in our ability to love Him, we grow in our ability to be obedient to Him. So obedience is based upon our love for God, and our love for God is based upon what we know about God. And so I, I think our our adult Sunday school classes and our children's Sunday school classes are just some, some neat opportunities that exist here at Bethany to grow in our faith. And right now what we're doing is we're doing these, these 13-week series. And so you have the opportunity to, to, to come at the beginning of the year and try it out for 13 weeks. I know, I know it's not for everyone. I know there are busy schedules and there are you know, uh, children things going on and different health things going on. And so it's not for everyone at every season of life. But I'd encourage you to think about it. And this, this next this next year, beginning in January, there's three classes for adults that are being offered. There's a class called the Local Church and Discipleship, Growing with One Another, and Blake is the, the uh, kind of leading that, that class, and I think there's some other people teaching that as well. And then Wayne is uh, teaching a class on First and Second Peter for 13 weeks, and then Kevin Martin is, is teaching a class called When Sinners Say I Do. And it's a great, uh, great class for those of you may, may be thinking about marriage, or for those of you who are married, it's a, a neat, uh, neat class there. Well, Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, uh, we see in this passage a people who are in a state of gloom and darkness, and we see a promised child, uh, Jesus promised to these, to these people who are in darkness, who are in gloom, and the hope that that promise brings. And so if you're able to this morning, if you would stand with me as we read God's word together. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. And, and this is a passage that we're going to look at this morning, and we're going to look at verse 6 a little bit on, tomorrow night, Christmas Eve, and then we're going to look at the rest of the passage, verse 6 and 7 uh, next Sunday, Lord willing. Verse 1, reading from a version of the Bible called the English Standard Version. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. 
for the yoke of his burden, and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You may be seated. May God encourage us through his word this morning. And and Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity we have, many of us, to be with family this morning. For those of us who aren't with our, our families this morning, we pray for your your protection and your, your peace upon them. We pray for uh, joy of relationships. We pray uh, this, this week that we, uh, by your grace, would be encouraged and encourage others uh, to see in your Son, Jesus, the source of all joy. And we pray, uh, pray for good conversations this week and, and sacrificial love for one another. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. This year, a musician named Kirby Brown uh, released a a new Christmas song called Shepherd's Lament, Shepherd's Lament by by Kirby Brown. And I read about this new Christmas song uh, just a a few days ago in an article by Bradley Campbell, and and, and Campbell makes the point as he writes about Shepherd's Lament, this new song, he he makes the point that there are a a lot of, of upbeat Christmas songs, a lot of traditional Christmas songs we hear all the time. You walk into the, the mall and you hear the same songs over and over again. You, you sit down at a restaurant, there's, there's songs you keep hearing. You're in the car, you turn on the radio, same upbeat Christmas song. For example, if, if Mariah Carey's wealth was just based on how many times I have heard All I Want for Christmas is You. If that was the only source of income that she had, she would be doing fine, right? And, and I don't hate the song. It's just, it's just you hear the same song over and over again, right? And, and Campbell's point is that Shepherd's Lament is not your typical Christmas song. He says for him, it, it resonates in, in a different way. It's, it's not an upbeat song. Listen, listen to how the song begins. Kirby Brown sings, I walk down through the village, out past the city lights, up here on this hilltop out of sight, and I hear everybody singing, but I just can't find the tune. If grace is coming, I hope it's coming soon. Then he continues, The wise men must have missed their turn somewhere on Highway 10, the walls of that old manger caving in. And heaven's in a holding pattern over Bethlehem, and everybody's waiting for a friend. Yeah, everybody's waiting for a friend. Not exactly an an upbeat Christmas song, but but Campbell, as he he writes about this this song, he says that the the point is that, that so many people 
invest hope in this one day. They're in a world where things are kind of dark, where things are bleak, but there's this day on the calendar, December 25th, and they invest all this, this hope and, and, and expectation this day, like maybe this day will be a day that brings light, and then the reality is, for many people, it, it doesn't. It simply highlights the, the gloom that, that, that is around them, the, the reality of the darkness in which many of us live. In fact, Campbell, as he's writing about this song, says, you know, he was, he was listening to this song, he was listening to Kirby Brown perform this song, I think it was in October or something, and he writes that it, it caused him to think about, what am, what am I going to be doing on Christmas Day? And he realized that probably on Christmas Eve, at least, he was going to be sitting in a bar by himself, <laughs> hoping that someone that he knew would walk in that door. Christmas is a day that we invest a lot of hope in, hoping that as we turn that day on our calendar that, that something fantastic will happen, but the reality is it's a day on the calendar that, that doesn't change the trajectory of our life. There's a lot of darkness in the world. And I know, from the things I do know about what's going on in many of your lives, I know that this is a, a Christmas in which some, some hard things are happening to, in the lives of, of many people in our church, right? Some of us are struggling with, with financial problems. There are, there are problems at work. Some of us are struggling with living in just a dark world in terms of relationships. There's, there are strange relationships, and as we think about that on a Christmas, we recognize there are some family members we're not going to be talking to that we, we probably should be if, if we were living in a world full of light. We know, recognize that there are some, some relationships with friends, maybe even friends in the church, that aren't where God would desire them to be. We recognize for some of us, we're spending our Christmas for the first time without someone we, we love. For some of us, we're struggling with our own health issues on Christmas. This is a day where darkness is highlighted in some very hard ways. So what do we need? We need light. Not just a light that kind of lets us know how dark everything else is, but a light that overcomes darkness. We need the light of Jesus Christ we don't need a day on our calendar. We need light, a light that overcomes darkness. And in this, this passage here in Isaiah chapter 9, what we encounter is, is a people who are living in darkness and, and a, a promised child comes and brings light, light to the nations, light to the people of Judah who are struggling. This passage describes the birth of a coming king, Emmanuel, God with us, a king who will bring light the main thing I want you to think about as we look at this passage this morning, as we look at this, this passage together over the next week, is that Christ is the one who provides the light that fuels every joy. Christ is the light, the light that, that, that fuels joy, joy in every area of life. And what we're going to do this morning, we're going to look at the need for Christmas light in the first couple verses here and then we're going to see the warmth of Christmas light. When I say Christmas, I don't mean December 25th. When I say Christmas, I mean Emmanuel, God with us, the reality that Jesus Christ, who is fully God, became fully man and dwells among us. Christ provides the light that fuels joy in every area of life. And so let's first look here at the need 
of Christmas light, the need for Christmas light. And if you're there in Isaiah 9, go ahead and turn back a couple of chapters to Isaiah chapter 7. And let me just give you a little bit of, of the context of what's taking place here in this section of Isaiah. Isaiah, here in chapter 7, is sent to King Ahaz. And, and King Ahaz is not a good king. King Ahaz is a king who is known for his idolatry, for his encouragement of the people of Judah to engage in idolatry. He is a king who uh, isn't even welcomed into the tombs of the other kings at his death. He's not a good king. And what happens here in Isaiah chapter 7? Kind of look at the text with me. What happens is we see that King Ahaz is very concerned because the the kingdom of the north, the kingdom of Israel, he's in the the southern kingdom of Judah, the kingdom of the north, Israel, the the northern tribes, is aligning itself with the Syrians. Verse 2 of Isaiah 7 says, when the house of David was told, that's, that's Ahaz, Syria is in league with Ephraim, that's Israel, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of the people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. He's nervous, he's scared, he's fearful because he recognizes the existential danger that he is in if these two enemies of his unite and, and, and fight against him. And so God sends Isaiah to Ahaz to, to encourage him. Isaiah says to Ahaz, he says in verse 4, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear. And do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the sons of Ramalia. He says in verse 6, or verse 7, thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. And then in verse 9, if you're firm in the faith, you will, if you're not firm in the faith, you'll not be firm at all. And so God offers this comfort to Ahaz, and Ahaz, Ahaz doesn't believe the Lord's provision. Isaiah says, ask for a sign. In other words, show that you believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Ahaz wants nothing to do with that. And Isaiah says this and, and gives him another great Christmas verse. He says, here then, O house of, of David, he says this to Ahaz, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Then Mike read this earlier, remember, for the, the New Testament, Matthew uh, Referring back to verse 14 of Isaiah 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He says, okay, here's, here's the, the sign that the Lord is going to give you. There's going to be this, this coming descendant of, the, of David, a coming king, Emmanuel, God with us. I believe that was fulfilled in Ahaz's lifetime initially, but the ultimate fulfillment, of course, is found in the son of David, Jesus Christ. But as you go through chapter 7, and as you go through chapter 8, you see that things are not going to be good for Ahaz and the people of Judah. His two enemies are are going to unite, and and Ahaz, instead of placing his hope in the Lord, is going to place his hope in this, this Assyrian kingdom. He's going to say, well, maybe Assyria will save me from these, these two enemies of mine. But God says that is a very foolish hope because instead of Assyria helping you, Assyria is going to overrun you. In Isaiah chapter 8, he says, In verse 7, therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria, and all his glory, and it will rise over 
all its channels and go over all its banks. It will sweep into Judah, will overflow and pass on, reaching even into the neck. Its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land. O oh, Emmanuel, God with us in the midst of this, of this coming disaster. God with us. You come to the end of chapter 8. They will pass, this is verse 21, they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upwards. And they will look to the earth and behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. This is a time of, of great darkness and gloom. There's a need for, for Christmas light. Now sometimes when we look around us, and we see darkness, we, we acknowledge a need for light. But what I would suggest to you this morning is that even whenever we say we recognize there's a need for light, we don't recognize the depth of our need for light. When, I, when Whitney and I lived in a, a different house, I did a lot more home projects because our, our home needed a lot more attention to it. And what I always found is I would, I would start a project and I would, I would think there's this need, you know, there's this, there's this hole in the wall or there's this, this crooked door and, and I would start to address the need, but as I began to address the, the, the seen need, the real needs were much, much deeper. So for example, there's the, the, the floor in the kitchen needs to be replaced. And so I start pulling up the, the linoleum, and I recognize there's like 18 layers of linoleum. And, and some of it's like just, I think, I think just literally lead. You know? And so uh, our kids would come to the kitchen, they'd, they'd play a game called Lick the Lead. And I um, say, hey, we need to get the kids out of here. So we, we're placing the kitchen, we're getting the kids out, and we're, okay, you tear up that, and you recognize that some of the floorboards are right. It's just, just need upon need upon need. As, as you come into this text, you realize, okay, King Ahaz recognizes there's, there's a need the people of Israel look around, there's a need, but they don't recognize the, the depth of their need, the need that they have for Christmas light, for Emmanuel light. So for example, you're in a financial difficulty. There, there's a lack of physical provision in your life, and you say, oh God, I, I need your help. You're in a relational struggle. And, and things are not the way they need to be between you and someone else. And, and you cry out, God, God, I need you in this relationship. This, this relationship is not the way it should be. God, I, I need your light in, in, this, in this area. But as you really begin to, to see what God reveals to you about his light, you recognize, I, I don't just need physical provision. I need a heart transformation that allows me to be content with the things that I have. I don't need God just to, to, to kind of paper over the differences in this relationship. I need God to give me a heart of repentance when it comes to the way that I've wronged this person. I need God to give me humility to ask for forgiveness in areas that I didn't even know that I had wronged them. I need God to change my heart response to this other individual. My need for Christmas light is far more profound than I usually realize. 
Now, look what happens here in these, these first two verses. So this is the, the context. There's Ahaz, and he's trusting the Assyrians. They're not going to bring the hope. There's going to be this gloom. And then we see in the first two verses reversals. And as these, as these reversals take place, we recognize how great the need was. In other words, as God begins addressing the darkness, it reveals how great the need was, how deep the darkness was. So for example, look at verse 1. He says, there's going to be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. What does that mean? He's talking about these, these northern areas of Israel. And those were the areas where if, if you were going to be the Assyrians and in invading, those were the areas that you would come through. Not a great location. Those areas, those areas in which God brought dishonor, are now going to be the areas in which God brings, brings glory. There's another reversal. Verse 2. It says, the people who walked in darkness have, have seen a, a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them, on them has light shined. What does that mean? When we come into Scripture and we see God's light described, God's light is a light that doesn't just, doesn't just illuminate for a moment. But it illuminates in, in a transformative way. It causes you to recognize how deep the darkness was just moments before. You know how this time of year, sometimes you'll walk into a room and you'll, maybe it's right after lunch, and you'll, you'll begin to work and a couple hours go by and, and, and someone else then comes in the room and they, they turn on the light. And when they turn on the light, you suddenly realize how dark the room had become so quickly. God's light is a light that's like that. Whenever God's light shines in our lives, we often realize suddenly how deep the darkness was without us even realizing it. Listen to what some other passages say about God's light here in Isaiah. God's light is an overcoming light. Isaiah 42, 16 says, I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. God's light brings hope. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Our need is more profound than we realize. As God promises and provides light, he shows us the greatness of our need. I was talking with uh, someone this past week, and they, they told me about a pastor who had sent out an, an email to his church. And the email basically was an email saying, uh, hey church, I'm, I'm resigning, okay? I'm no longer your pastor as of the time you're getting this email. And then, uh, so that, that email went out to the church, and then about 
20 minutes go by and, and another email comes out from the elders saying, we did not know this was coming uh, to the church. We're, you know, we're, this isn't a, a sin issue. This is uh, an area where we've been, been working with uh, the pastor and, and uh, we, did, we did not know that this, this email was, was going to come out like this. And my, my friend, as we were talking about this, he said, you know, um, I really had a lot more respect for this pastor. I'm, I'm surprised that he resigned in that way that, that quickly. I was kind of quiet for a moment. He said, well, what are you thinking? I said, well, uh, honestly, I think about every pastor I know has written that email. Every person in ministry I know has, at least in their head, has, has written that email. That, now it was wrong, you shouldn't do, you know, don't resign, <laughs> don't, don't send out an email to the church resigning without talking to the elders, bad thing to do, but, but in reality, most, most people in ministry that I know have, have you know, lay and vocational, have, have been like, you know what, I'm going to send out this email, and I'm going to do it quickly before anyone can stop me because it's just too much. It's too much. There's something, uh, people who research those who are in ministry and, and those who are in serving ministries, there, there's something people, researchers call the cost of caring. Uh, researchers use that phrase to describe the emotional weight of caring for other people. So, for example, they, they found that, that women who read uh, about a friend's relative dying, so not their own relative, but they, they read on Facebook or on Instagram, something about a, a rel- someone else's relative dying, they, they, those women have a, a 14% increase in, in stress just, just from being aware of that. Now, you can imagine those who are, are in relationships with lots of people who are struggling, who become more and more aware of, of, of the need of Christmas life, the, the need, the, the, the problems that people are, are facing, and that, that weight just becomes more and more and more. And brothers and sisters, as you engage in one another's lives here at Bethany Community Church or whatever community of faith you are a part of, that reality is going to set in the reality of this is a dark world. And many of you are are bearing that weight in your, your care groups, in your Sunday school class, in your, just in your ministries with one another, as you get involved in each other's lives, as you get involved in your own life, you're recognizing just the weight of the darkness, the need for Christmas light. And if the story ended there, just ma- being made aware of the need, what a dark story it would be. But here's the second thing we see. We see the warmth of Christmas light. The warmth of Christmas light. Listen what we see next. Isaiah writes, based upon the hope of verse 6, we're going to get to tomorrow night, based on the hope of this coming king, he writes this, you, God, have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. And so in other words, there's, there's the, the people, and in chapter 8, they were made desolate. There was, there was lack. Now there's multiplication. You, you've increased them. And he says, it's, it's like the joy at harvest and the, the joy in victory and war. So, so from, from this extreme to this extreme in every other area of life in between, you've increased the joy. You've, you've provided joy in all area of life. And he says, in verses 4, 5, and 6, he gives the reasons that, that their, their joy has been multiplied. Verse 4, the yoke of his burden has been lifted. Uh, verse 5, there's been victory over the trampling warrior. And then verse 6, the culmination is, is in the birth of this coming king. We'll talk more about that 
tomorrow night. Now, think about when Isaiah is writing. Isaiah is, is writing this before Christ comes. He writes about this, this coming king. And there's, there's joy that the people are to feel right now as they think about this coming king. Now think about where we are. The king has come at Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. It's what Craig prayed for, prayed about, thanking God for the gift of his son Jesus, Emmanuel. And the king is, is going to come. Jesus is going to, to return again. Now where are you and I? We're in between Emmanuel, God with us for the first time, Jesus Christ being born as a human being, and his, his ultimate return. It's like this. Um, your parents promise you that there's going to be a, a Christmas present, and you're excited about it. And then there's, there's a placing of the Christmas present underneath the tree. It's, it's there. You can see it. And then there's going to be the, the, the day in which the Christmas presents are open. Now, today's December 23rd. Where are we? We're in between the, the gift of the present and the opening of the present. The, the fullness of the realization. The present's there, but the fullness of realizing it is, is still to come. Unless you've, unless you've cheated and opened your present already. And shame on you if that's the case. Where are we now? We are now in a, in a time where we're, we're waiting for the, the fullness of, of the, the present to be revealed, and yet we, we have it already, and it affects, it affects how we think about mom and dad. It, thinks, it affects how we think about the people who have given us these things. It's the warmth of Christmas light. Now, how, how does God provide joy? What are the joys that Christ brings his people what are some of the types of joy that Christ brings his people? A couple thoughts. Christ brings the joy of increase to you this Christmas season in darkness. By God's grace, he brings the, 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 the joy of increase. Who you are today is not who you are going to be by his grace next Christmas if God continues his work in your life. Wherever you are in the darkness this morning, God in his grace is going to bring increase. He's done that here in Isaiah 9. He will do it in your life. God also brings the joy of freedom. The Assyrians brought a, a yoke. They boasted in, the, in their, their records. We have boastings of the yokes that they imposed on those whom they conquered. It's something we're, we're thinking through as we go in Galatians. And now there's release from bondage. They're no longer enslaved to the same things. You and I are no longer enslaved to sin. The ability to experience life as God has meant it to be is given to you and to me this Christmas. So even though we deal with the effects of our sin and other people's sin, we know that we are no longer slaves to sin in the midst of this darkness. God also brings the joy of peace. Romans 5 tells me I'm no longer at peace with God. I'm no longer at war with God. I have peace. God divinely reveals the darkness and shows the, the light, and I'm now at, at peace with God. God also brings the joy of security, even though we are in places of darkness this morning. We recognize I'm here because a loving God has put me here. Psalm 139, the psalmist writes this. The psalmist says, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Listen to this. Even the darkness is not dark to you. 
the night, the night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Isn't that a beautiful passage to think about here on, on Christmas as we think about the light that God provides? Many of the people you love are in, are in a dark spot, right? They are experiencing the reality of living in, living in a fallen world. And yet God brings light. And what that means is that, that God promises a future deliverance from all things, but even right now in the moment of, the, of, of darkness, surrounded by darkness, we recognize that we are, we are being held securely by a God who brings the joy of security. We recognize that where we are is a place that God and his love has placed us. And we think about the Christmas story. We come to Luke chapter 2, and let me just close with, with this passage. We come to Luke chapter 2, and it's, it's, it's night. It's a time of, of darkness, and there are, there are bad things happening. Mary and Joseph live in the reality of a fallen world. And it's at that moment that God reveals that he has placed them where he has placed them by his sovereign hand. While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This morning you and I recognize our need for Christmas light, for the light of of Emmanuel, of, of God with us. And God in his grace reveals his son Jesus to us. The light of Christ provides for the the nations. It provides for you and I. It's it's a sure light that God provides. And my prayer, of course, for you would be that you have a wonderful Christmas. And not a wonderful Christmas because December 25th is a magic day upon which magic day happens, but that you would have a, a wonderful Christmas because you would experience the joy of Emmanuel of God with us. You would recognize the reality of a dark world, of, of your own participation in a dark world through, through sin, through decisions that you've made, and say, you know what, this, this is not a path that brings joy and hope and satisfaction, and you would turn from that, repent of that, and see the beauty of Jesus Christ and place your faith and your hope in him alone for eternal life. And then if you've done that, that you would, by God's grace, Continue in pursuing after him the source of all joy, the source of the increase of every joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for the the warmth of the light that he provides and an inexhaustible joy that fuels uh, our our lives in in every area, a light that, that brings joy to every area of our lives. We pray that our faith and our hope would be in him and him alone. We pray this in his name. Amen.